Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I'm Joe, and I'm in a temporary office, as you can see. It's a little bit of a box room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is going to be my office for the next um, two to three months, until we can start construction on on my actual final office. Uh, I've got a wall to lean against there. Aha. Um, I've also, uh, I don't have as much space in here, and I can't really fit in uh, the turntables at the moment. I'm going to try something over the next few weeks, but chances are I'm not going to be able to do uh, a mix, which I know some of you will be very glad about. Um, There's also a bit of a reverberation in this room, so I might have to play with my uh, settings and get some uh, echo reduction and all of that on it. So I I apologise if my mic is annoying any of you tonight. Um, but hopefully it's not too much of a bother. But one thing I did do is I installed my uh, my stand-up desk. So it means I can stand up and sit down, but I can see like right here uh, where my camera is coming across. There is a, it's looking at the monitors at the moment and I will do my best to circumvent that. Um, but yes, and obviously <laughs> halfway through unpacking, <laughs> I say halfway through. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, at the moment, the, the loft isn't usable and neither is the garage. So, pretty much all of the stuff that's sort of for storage is in the living room. <laughs> and Dave is on his way back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's what's been going on. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't stream last week, but I hope you enjoyed the free will discussion with Chesh and Philip and uh, Bearded Heretic or Luke, um, and obviously Dave was there, and I, I do know we cut out a big chunk of that discussion. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a sensitive topic that wasn't really appropriate for YouTube. Um, some of our patrons uh, uh, can obviously um, watch it. it, it's on there, but it's just one of those conversations that would be taken thoroughly out of context and you know what the internet's like it would be portrayed in the worst light it wasn't an uncomfortable conversation but it could become uncomfortable in the future so that is why we did cut out a chunk of it and it was still like two and a half hours long Uh, so (laughs) i'm sure you don't mind that that bit was missing Um, We've also started trying to do uh, podcast versions of the sci-fi shows as well. Um, They will be virtually the same, um, except just pure audio format. Uh, One of the things I actually like is when I go for a walk is listening to to a podcast um, or some music. It depends on on my particular frame of mind. So I figured actually it would be, you know, there might be other people in that same sort of state. They want to listen to the shows, but... You know, they want to be out doing something and enjoying nature or something and listening to us. Why they want to listen to us, fuck knows. But there must be people out there who do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I moved in. I'm now down to sat. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll pick up the accent, but I think I'm far too old for that. Although today, today, I got fucking ID'd. I'm almost 40 and I got ID'd. Yeah! <laughs> for buying this shit (laughs) yeah it does look like i've just got booted (laughs) i'm living in a a one bed apartment with all my boxes on my bed (laughs) i was gonna say bed sit (laughs) uh how you doing intrigue feline nice to see you here 
Um, <laughs> yeah, just covering up all the news since I've moved. We actually went down to the beach today. It's really nice being that close to a beach. It's been a glorious day for it as well. Um, and uh, it was Ivy's well, it's Ivy's second time to the beach, except the first time she went, it, she was about six months old and uh, she wasn't a fan. But today she loved it. She just, no fear or anything, just proper, proper got involved. Um, we only stayed out for about three hours or so, but that was more than enough. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm lucky I almost burnt Ivy completely fine. Katie actually got burnt, never been burnt before. But I think when you're, you're pregnant, you actually have um, thinner skin. So, uh, or, or more sensitive skin. Maybe it's more sensitive because it's thin. I can't remember what it is, but I do remember that it's more sensitive. So she's never burnt before. She's one of those people that can not wear any sun cream and just not even get a tan. And you're just like, how? <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, you're going to finalize a new job this week. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully it's, is it, is it the, the going, going back somewhere or is it doing something completely new? Dave, I've just noticed you've got minions. How long have they been up there? Since today. Ah, awesome. <laughs> it's got the little arcade cabinets as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can uh, see. Which... Sorry, I cut you off there. Uh, yeah, no, it's just that's what's they're in between, the little arcade cabinets. Yeah, nice. You got, yeah. Oh, something completely new intrigue for you, Lion. What's that? Oh, you got the original Pac-Man. Nice. Yeah, and Rolling Thunder is up there, and Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninjas. Oh, nice. <laughs> you should get uh, Super Pang as well. That was one of my favorites in the arcade days. Do you remember it? There, it's Yeah, but it's not out. You is can get not? like um, Galaga, Galaxian, Ms. Pac-Man, Elevator Action, and a few others like that. Oh. Yeah, I've actually got... Um... <laughs> Uh, super pang on my phone but it's just not the same just no yeah you, you need to have that sort of arcade feel even if it's <laughs> playing it on that size <laughs> that's it's on my little handheld oh you've got it on that yeah oh nice <laughs> yeah i bet that's much much better yeah yeah that that makes sense intrigue feline um i look forward to hearing about it when you've uh got things finalized um but well done congratulations really happy for you um Right, I suppose we yeah, should actually come... Well, sorry. Sorry, Dave, cut you off again. I was just saying, nice one to intrude to your line. <laughs> um, but yeah, so tonight, um, it's the problem of other minds. What is the problem of other minds? Okay. Um, the problem of other minds basically stems from solipsism. So how can we prove that other people have minds? Um how can we know that there are other minds besides our own? Uh, it's basically an epistemic problem. And I've got a whole slideshow, though. So I actually managed to get one done. Nice one. All right. Well, get it up and let's get it on. Okay. So, as you say, problem of other minds, that's what tonight's stream is about. So if we consider, funnily enough, all the things we have direct access to, there, there really is only one thing. The only thing we have direct access to is our own mind. Now, you might argue here, well, no, we can reach out and we can touch things and we can feel things and we can smell things, so we have direct access to those things. But all of those things come in through our mind. We experience them through our mind. Yeah, makes Does sense. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
the only experience we have access to is our own experience. The, the only thing we can experience directly is our own experience of the world, our own mind. We can directly feel our own pain, our own pleasure, our own emotions, all that kind of thing. But when it comes to somebody else, we can't really feel their pain or their pleasure or their joy. We can take part in it, but we can't you know, actively access it. And in the same way that we've described before, even if we had some magic helmet that allowed us to see their consciousness it would still be experienced through our mind and through our consciousness. Mm -hmm. So this brings us on to solipsism. I know this is everyone's favorite word. <laughs> solipsism is the idea that the only mind we can know is our own mind, and we cannot show or know that other minds exist. Sorry, I can't see the... Hang on. Yeah, we can't show or know that other minds exist. So this is the problem with other minds. Can we show that other minds exist? Everything that we experience about the world is done in a subjective manner. And in this case, we're not speaking subjective like in morality, where the truth maker is our personal opinion or what have you. Subjective here is meant our own first person perspective on the world mm -hmm. as, as we experience it through our mind. Now, if we consider something like you can have, say, Descartes' demon. Um, sometimes we dream. And when we're dreaming, we don't know that we're dreaming. We might feel all the joys and all the pleasures and everything like that from the dream. But we might not realize that we're dreaming, at least not until we wake up. So the question is, how can we know that all of our experiences are not a dream? Well, <laughs> I guess you can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there is the idea, of course, that the reason that we know our, we're dreaming or we were dreaming is that we wake up from it. Mm. And oftentimes in our dreams, we can do things that we wouldn't do outside of those dreams. Like we fly in our dreams or we're yeah. super strong in our dreams, you know, those kind of and things. And it feels real at the time. But, yeah. But then afterwards, Eventually, you're like, why did I think that that was ever real? How did I think that was reality? Have you ever had exactly. a dream within a dream, though, Dave? Uh, no. Oh, so I've actually had a nightmare and a dream, and I woke up in my bed, and, and uh, you know, I had a whole day of experiences and telling people about this nightmare that I had, and then everything started getting weird, and then I woke up again, and I actually woke up that time. It was such a weird fucking experience. Ah, okay, I've had that where I, I'm dreaming that I've woken up and started getting ready for work, and then I wake up and it's like, oh fuck, I yeah. wasn't actually awake. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about going down to different levels like Inception. Uh, Inception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question from Intrigue Feline: Could I make it a an a priori knowledge that we all have minds? Uh, you could, but then. The question is justifying that. So do we have good epistemic reason to believe? Just saying, well, you know, I just assume that we there are other minds. That Yes, that's definitely a uh, stance you can take. And I, I think people do take that stance to some, to some extent. We, we basically all assume that there are other minds. Well, I guess some people don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, it's it's more a stance of extreme skepticism, something like solipsism. 
or, you know, arguing, can you prove that there are other minds? It's, an, it's a sort of extreme skepticism stance. So if you say, well, I just assume there are other minds, somebody can come up and say, well, can you show that? You know, do you have good reason to assume that there are other minds? Okay, so another way that you might argue that it's not all just a dream is that if, if this was all just a dream, then why would you be dreaming of a world like this one, where there's so much suffering, so much pain, you can't fly, you're bound by the laws of physics. Conversations that go, according to whom? According to whom? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why would you dream of those things? Surely if you were in control or you were having this dream, you would dream about being the rock star or you know, the king of the world, and you would dream of a happier place and a place with less suffering, or... Or if you um, were actually having a nightmare, it would be a hell of a lot worse as well. It would be a lot more extreme. You know, every time you were running... I mean, I I, I used to have them as a kid all the time, where something would be chasing me, and I'd be running, and then all of a sudden my legs would sort of stop working, and I'd be screaming for help, except nothing would come out of my mouth. It'd be like... (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then I wouldn't be able to open my eyes and I was just like, no. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah. That, that, sorry. I was just going to say, so, so, I mean, you'd be at either end of the, the spectrum. Generally, you know, your, your dreams uh, end up being fantastic and then your nightmares end up being, you know, grotesquely horrible. And both ends are things that generally wouldn't happen in the real world. It's very rare to have a realistic dream. Exactly. And, and that, brings up one of the arguments against this, that if we, if this was a dream, we would be dreaming that it would be a better place, is that not all of our dreams are good dreams. We have nightmares. Um, we have dreams that scare us awake. We have dreams that make us sweat in our, or moan in our sleep. So just because something is a dream doesn't necessarily entail that it's going to be good. But like you said... Even in our dreams or our nightmares, things are very different to how they are in the world that we generally experience. Another I- argument when it comes to solipsism is that there are plenty of things out there that we haven't discovered yet. So if all, all we could know is our own mind and all of this is a product of our own mind, we are the only mind that exists, Then, and there's no external reality then how could there be things that we have not yet discovered? Because surely we would have created them. <laughs> yeah. And, and our, a solipsist might argue here that, well, it's not that they're not a product of our mind. It's just that our mind is, hasn't created them and creates them when we get to the point where we need, some, we need to fill in the gaps. There's certain games that, that do that actually they generate the worlds as you you go along you enter it and it generates the world for a certain path but as you go through it and as you go to sort of almost different zones it keeps generating these different areas and it's never the same exact thing exactly so the argument that there are things we haven't discovered yet is not necessarily a good argument against solipsism it is an argument but it's quite easy to answer, as you just said. Even computer games, the, the data is not there and it creates it on the fly as you get to it. So our mind could be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. However, 
Okay. Um, we live in a world, even if this is all of our own creation, and we are the only mind, we seem to live in a world that is governed by certain laws, you know, like gravity, physics, all those kinds of things. And you could argue here that we are the creators of those things. But we usually experience the world in such a way that we haven't even begun to think about the idea that there are laws governing these, the universe or our reality. So we don't appreciate it and we haven't thought about it. Mm. And we haven't understood them or discovered them. So you could say something like the, you know, the undiscovered parts where we haven't yet got to them and therefore we, you know, it's not been created yet. But if we haven't thought about these laws, but they still exist, then where does that come from? Just uh... now assault. Sorry, before you Sorry. move on, three Rusty Nails has said uh, a, a statement earlier on, um, and uh, it's going on in the chat. I figured I'd bring it up now. He says, uh, in my opinion, dreams are just 100% imagination, and imagination is nothing. Nothing is a lack of being. Uh, there is no being in imagination. Imagination is nothing. Human events do not happen as a result of any external schema of causation, nor should there be any interpretation a priori schema. So I'm not sure. I'm just trying to think about this. How can you say imagination is nothing in the first place? Um, what What do you mean by imagination is nothing? I would say imagination doesn't have any uh, things that we imagine do not necessarily have any objective reality. They live purely within our mind. But we could also imagine things that do have an objective reality. So it's the difference between imagining a, uh, a a dragon and imagining a horse. I can imagine a horse and what horses do. The the thing I'm imagining in my mind obviously is not real, but it's an, it, I'm imagining something that is actually real out there. Um, and there's, uh, as Intrigued Feline says, there's a lot of your chemical processes going on in your brain. So... It's not that nothing is happening. There is still something happening uh, going going on. So to say that your imagination is nothing is, I don't know. Okay, so you're saying it's nothing because it has no objective reality. Okay, so it, it does. It's, it's a subjective experience. I, I completely agree with that. Um, but you could still imagine things that do have an objective reality. But I wouldn't say it's nothing as well. I mean, especially if we're talking about a true nothing. Um, you also, your imagination exists within objective reality. Your mind exists within an objective reality. Those things, your imagination and those things you imagine exist within your mind, which has an objective reality. So these things might not manifest outside your imagination. But that doesn't mean that your imagination is not a part of objective reality. It would be objectively true to say that you are imagining something. Yeah, makes sense to me. He's not talking about physiology or react reactions or biology or anything like that. So I think that what you're you're talking about there then is you're just the things you imagine. You know, you can imagine anything. Yeah, you know, part of your dreams and everything like that. There is no objective reality to them. Your slideshow keeps jumping back, Dave. Yeah, I can't quite figure it out. <laughs> 
Yes, no, I agree with you, Rusty. Um, you can think of a dragon and a dragon is not real. That's fine. But you can also think of a horse and a horse is real. Uh, the horse in your mind is only existing in your mind, but obviously your mind does exist. So, uh, <laughs> and, and I think that's that's the, the difference. When your, your, your statement that imagination is nothing is a bit of a, not a complete statement in itself. I, I understand that things that you are imagining don't necessarily have an objective reality. Um, and, and that's fine. I, I agree with that. But you can imagine real things. And your imagination in itself does have an objective reality. It's the things you are imagining do not have an objective reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not just that. To say your imagination is nothing... Your imagination contains content. You are thinking, you have intentional thoughts about certain things. So your thoughts have content. So it's not necessarily nothing. I, I think it's kind of a malformed sentence to say that imagination is nothing. Yeah. And so I think he's talking purely about being. And if you're, if you're talking about that, things that you imagine don't have any external reality like when people say god is imaginary they're saying it has no objective reality so therefore they are saying it does not exist and it still exists within someone's mind but it does not exist and i think that's sort of what he's talking about with that but the imagination still exists the imagined things i mean as as we've already said hopefully that sort of answers your question though rusty take it away dave Okay, so I've forgotten where I was. Um, yeah, so if the world is the creation of our own and all the laws are our own creation, then how could it be that we are governed by these laws before we've even thought about it, before we've even pondered why the world is the way it is and is uniform? And Like when we're a kid and we're throwing a ball at a wall and it bounces back down and we catch it, we're not thinking about how gravity controls that ball or how physics controls the ball. We're just throwing the ball and experiencing it. Hmm. So it would seem that there's a time where we, if solipsism is true, there's a time where we haven't even understood that the world's controlled by laws, yet we're supposed to be the creator of these laws. Yeah. So, yeah. And I suppose with dreams, those laws don't necessarily apply, do they? Not so, just that. To some degree, our dreams do resemble a reality. They are governed by certain laws. And that's why when we wake up, we think, wow, that was weird. I could fly. Yeah. Because we compare it to, to a different layer of experience, which is the, the world we generally live in. Mm -hmm. And with a dream, a lot of the laws are the same until something is different. And that's when we start to think in our dreams, wow, this is a bit weird. Mm. Why, why is this happening? Because it's not how we would generally experience the world. Yeah. And that's generally how we determine when we wake up that we were dreaming because it wasn't banal. It was something odd. Um, and there, there seems to be, when it comes to dreams, there seems to be this incoherent pattern to them. They're not sequential. Um, we might one day dream that we're stuck in a train station we can't get out of, and the next day dream that we're flying over the city with superpowers saving people. 
There's no coherent string to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in our daily lives, we go to work, we walk the dog, we do the kids, we have routines, and each day seems to follow from the next. And we can generally remember the day before, but when we're dreaming, we don't remember the dream before. Does that make sense? Yeah. That there's a particular narrative to reality. So this gives us some idea that the whole world is not a dream. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, just going to say, I mean, there are times when you can have uh, repeated nightmares, same nightmare or different versions of the same nightmare. And because it's the same one happening over and over again, you start to remember it in the dream. And as it's going to come, you're like, oh, no, this volcano is going to erupt and cover me in lava in, in two minutes. And you can start to remember it. But, yeah, I, in 99% of the time, I, I agree, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's I, no coherent narrative. No, there isn't. And actually, even within dreams, that they, they not just one dream to another, but within a dream, it doesn't even necessarily follow an order either. It can be all over the place. Yeah. And when we fall asleep and wake up, we are back to a sort of generally recognizable pattern and narrative and world that we recognize. But oftentimes, when we wake up from a dream and we think, shit, I was really enjoying that dream, I'm going back to sleep for another half hour. <laughs> when we go back to sleep, we might not necessarily re-enter that same dream. Yeah. Yeah, and generally you don't. Uh, uh, Manny says, my mind created all these great things, but it had to ruin it by creating Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's so a you're... perfect example. Yeah, we could be living in a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Twitter and Facebook are good examples. Uh, and nice to see you, Manny. Hello. <laughs> hey, Manny. So, yeah, back to the, the thing before. Um, if we had created all these laws, then how come they exist before we even think about them? Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing is, is how great of a mind are we? If... We are the creator of the universe. That means we are the creator of all the laws of physics, all the great literature, all the philosophy that exists, all the great discoveries that have been made. We, we created all the great civilizations and the history of all those great civilizations. And not only did we create Einstein, but we created his general, uh, you know, general theory of relativity. We are the one that created all these things. Could there be an argument that your mind is so powerful that you've created lots of different aspects of yourself and cut off aspects of your knowledge just so you could experience different aspects of everything and everyone and all different types of being? It's possible, but then how can you never actually experience them? Well, it's not until you die and then rejoin and take that experience back to whatever you are in reality. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I don't believe that at all. I'm just wondering if that's some bullshit argument someone's come up with before. <laughs> I've not heard it. Um, ah, excellent. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible, but this brings us on to the next slide. Now, it would seem that if you were the creator of all these things, you then proceeded to forget about all of them. You forgot about the general theory of relativity until you learn it again. And generally, when you come across information that you've forgotten, you go, ah, shit, I remember that now. But when you come across new information, 
you don't have that same reaction, do you? Yeah. What the fuck does this mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing here. Sometimes when we rediscover these things that we're supposed to have forgotten, we can't actually comprehend them. Like you're the creator of the theory of relativity, but have you ever tried learning it? Like all the details and the whole equation and it's generally indecipherable unless you're an incredibly sprite mind. And definitely not. <laughs> no, neither am I. Hence why I'm making arguments like this. <laughs> so if we consider the idea that we supposedly created all these things and then forgot them, and then when we came across them, we couldn't actually understand them, it seems more probable that you weren't the creator of it. Mm -hmm. um, a greater mind than your own created these things, and you're a part of that other greater mind experiencing these things, and that means that you are not responsible for all of these things. So from our position, we can say, okay, if I am a mind and I am experiencing these things, there must be at least one other mind, the one that created all these things that we can't understand. Yeah. Yeah? And here's another thing. If you have completely forgotten that gravity exists, then can it be said to exist? Like, if you have a thought about something and then you completely forget it, does that thought exist anymore? No, I guess it doesn't. No, uh, and that thing you were thinking of doesn't exist anymore, if it's all in your own mind. Yeah, it's like degraded data on a hard drive. It, that data is no longer there. It's gone, yeah. Okay, so if the existence of gravity depends on us, it being a part of our mind and our creating it and our sustaining it, then if we forget it, wouldn't the law of gravity disappear? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Is that why it disappears in dreams? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> dreams are there where we're having errors in processing. <laughs> it could be. Um, so the, the law of gravity still holds, doesn't it? Even, yeah. even though we've forgotten about it and all that. So either we are not the creator of it, or it comes from some other greater mind that we don't know exists, thus proving that we are not the only mind and we are not the creator of all things. Or there's just some external world that brings about the truth that we experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sorry, I jumped ahead a little in my discussion. <laughs> um, so, so there seems to be something out there um, that we did not create, that we are not the sustainer of. And if solipsism is the argument that we are the only mind that exists and everything else is a creation of our mind, it doesn't seem to hold. There seems to be some kind of contradiction there, because if our mind isn't great enough to create all these things or understand all these things, then there's probably a mind out there that is that we are just a part of. Yet we seem to experience it and ask the question, are we the only mind that exists? So two people can't be asking the same question and be the only mind that exists. I, I would tend to agree, uh, but we could still go back to someone making excuses like, well, I just created them in my mind to do it. But obviously with all the other arguments that built up to, to this point, then you'd actually say, well... <laughs> It seems to be the case that we are not the only mind. Yeah. Um, 
Or even if we are the only mind, that mind exists within something that is not of our own creation. Yeah. Weird simulated theory. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are the only mind within a simulated universe. So all the laws are there before you, but you create all the people as you go along. Yeah. Seems unlikely, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But that's so, just what they want you to think, Dave. Joke's on them. I never think. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to think, so yeah. <laughs> okay. So even if we can't wholly disprove solipsism, we seem to have good reason to think that solipsism is not the case in the sense that we are the only mind that exists and creates everything else. Everything else is a creation of our mind. Um, but does that entail that we are not the only mind? Well, even if we were the only mind in the simulated universe that had been made for us, there was still another mind outside that universe anyway. <laughs> that created the thing, yeah. yeah. Um, but what about the people that we come across? Well, Can you, we know? I often say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get demonetized before we're monetized. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, when we when we encounter another person, can we know that they have a mind like ours? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say like ours. <laughs> Akin to, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's generally what it means. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so this is basically what the problem of other minds is. It, it's the mixture of solipsism and this idea that can we know that the people that we, we encounter in our day-to-day -day lives or even other beings like our pets and things like that, can we know that they have a mind and have an inner life in the same manner that we do? I'd say it's definitely a justified belief, but could we call it knowledge? <laughs> but is it justified to believe that they do if we only have access to our own mental content? Yes, because of everything we've just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've not even gotten to that part. Oh, good. <laughs> so if we cannot directly access other people's experiences and other people's mental states, at best we can infer that they have another mind. We can't know for certain. Um, and there, there, there are those here that would argue, well, the mind comes from the brain. It's an emergent property of the brain. And if we can see that something else has a brain, then we can make the assumption that this thing also has a mind. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. But if we think back to our discussions on P-zombies. Yeah, we, we debunked them. <laughs> <laughs> Zimbo's all the way, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if we think about P-zombies, there might be some being out there who seems to have a brain and seems to have all these brain states, but does not have the internal life that we do. And th this is what I, the slide goes <laughs> on to say here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, when we look at all the physical facts of our brain states... There is nothing from those physical facts that seems to entail that there should be an inner life. I mean, when we look at, say, if we go with Nagel's argument, what it's like to be a bat, we can look at a bat, we can understand that it sees through sonar, 
but we can't understand how it experiences that thing or whether it experiences that thing. We can see that it has certain chemical reactions that might resemble our own, but can we truly say that that leads to them feeling sadness? It could be the case that their brains are entirely functional. So when you prick them with a pin, they might go, ouch, bend over, um, or hold their arm and say, oh, that hurt, but not actually feel it. It's just that their brain functions in such a way that it mimics what we would consider to be pain. Mm. So there's two popular approaches within the literature that we commonly see, and it is the argument from analogy and the argument from best explanation. There's more, but these are two of the more popular ones. Okay, so the first thing to be said here is that both arguments come from a similar kind of grounding, a similar kind of place. They're both grounded in the idea that we have our own first-person experience. We know what it's like to have a mind and how it feels to have a mind. And um, so while we can't know that others, we are having the same kind of thing, we can know that we are feeling sadness or we are experiencing pain or joy or feeling the pleasant calmness of blue, you know, certain qualia. Mm -hmm. And the following arguments, people might argue here that it still doesn't lead to us knowing that other minds exist. At best, they give us some kind of justification, some kind of epistemic justification for believing that other minds exist. They're hypotheses, and, and we have no way to actually prove or disprove them because everything that we access, we access through our own mind, and it could just be us. It still could just be us until we can actually find some way of breaching their experience or feeling what they feel. Um, but if you think of something like fallibilism, we can say that we have all these inferences and all these things lead us to good justification for believing that something is the case. And we can claim that, well, it hasn't been proven false yet. Uh, there might be arguments that lower the probability, but it hasn't been shown to be false. So we can accept it as knowledge until it's proven to be false. Mm -hmm. So you could say here that if these justifications work, then we could claim to know that another being has a mind. Okay, so the argument from analogy is something like this. If we think about our own experiences and our own sort of minds and how they work, we know that when we feel joy, we get a smile, we behave in a certain way. When we're in pain, we, we might double over or we might get grumpy or we might get moody. And uh, when we're happy, we laugh. You know, there are certain things like bodily movements or how we react to certain things that enable us to know what it feels like or what we do when we feel these certain emotions or feelings or desires. Yeah? Yep. Now, we can look at other people and see that they're having similar reactions and seem to be displaying the same kind of outward appearances that we might give when we feel these certain things. And we can infer from that that perhaps they are feeling those same things too. So we make an analogy to them from our own experiences. 
So that seems to give us justification for them having at least some kind of mind or some kind of inner experience. It might not necessarily get us to complete certainty, but I, I'd say it seems to allow, like when your dog limps and whines and whimpers, we can infer that the dog's in pain. And it generally seems to be quite a good inference. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. Um, this leads us to the argument from best explanation. So when we observe that other people are, when we observe the things that we observe from the argument from analogy, we can infer that these things are happening. Now, we could say, well, maybe they don't have an inner thing. Um, maybe they're just automatons, very clever automatons, who seem to go through all the motions, but don't actually have that inner experience, even though they resemble you physically, you know, exactly. But it seems to be that the best explanation is that if they are displaying these behaviors and they are functionally like me, then the best explanation would be that they have the same kind of experiences that I do. Yeah, it makes sense. That, it's also yeah. the most simplistic. Exactly. It's When you posit that perhaps they are some kind of mystical being that has no inner life but looks exactly like us, reacts exactly like us, it seems to me that you're positing something extra. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I tend to think... Uh most simplistic explanation for, for something. And, and I don't mean making it really simple by just saying, oh, well, it's this. I mean, when you actually think about the whole thing and all the variables that go into something, the most simplistic of them tends to be the best way to, to look at things, especially if there's plenty of uh, uh, <laughs> justification for them. Exactly. I mean, if we think about something like evidence, we think of it in, we make a claim, and then these things that we posit either raise the probability or lower the probability. So if we posit that this thing has a brain that seems to be similar to ours, um, and our brain makes us have these experiences, and we react in these ways from these experiences, then it seems to me that if other beings are having similar experiences and have a brain, it raises the probability that they have a mind. Yep. Now, you can come in and be skeptical and say, well, perhaps they don't. And it's like, well, okay, that might give me pause to think about the justifications for it, but it doesn't necessarily lower the probability. Does that make sense? It does indeed. Okay. So if we go from the argument from analogy, an argument for best explanation, it seems to me that we have a reasonable justification to believe that there are other minds. Would you? Would you say? Oh yeah, I, I already said it earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But th this seems to be good justification that there are other minds. Now, you could argue here that there is no real physical evidence. There is no empirical evidence to prove these things because, again. The only thing you're positing is a brain, and if brains, looking at brain states doesn't actually get us to the phenomenolo phenomenological state, then it might not necessarily be the case that they do have an inner experience. You might be the only one having these inner experiences, and people just don't understand your brain enough. Think of Fred's Red. Mm -hmm. 
you know, he can see two different reds and we just don't understand the eye well enough until many years on in the future where we figure out why he saw two shades of red or yeah. two forms of red. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's there's even been cases of that now where, where people have an extra cone in their eye and they can see hundreds, if not thousands, more colors or, or the, the, than we can see. Or the other way with the color blindness. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So empirical facts might not necessarily get us to the phenomenological facts, but we can use reasonably good inferences. So this is a good argument for why empirical evidence might not always be necessary. Sometimes we have to accept that there we can only think of things in terms of inferences. But as long as we allow ourselves to have these kind of presuppositions and these inferences and these ideas, and we allow ourselves to think in terms of analogies, I would say it's reasonable to believe that, you know, thing, other things have minds, other things have inner experiences. When we hear of a serial killer torturing a bunch of schoolgirls, we don't think, oh, well, maybe they didn't have an inner life, <laughs> you know. We think, we automatically assume that they have this kind of suffering that we can relate to. Yeah, uh <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a cruel example, but <laughs> uh, good or bad that I laughed at it. <laughs> Both. <laughs> okay, so there is one other kind of argument. This comes from Wittgenstein, and this is this is quite a complicated one. Um, but the basics of it are generally this. Now, when we speak of an experience being private, there's two ways we can speak of it. We can speak of it in terms of no one else has access to what you experience. They can't have your actual subjective experience itself. They have no access to what you're feeling, the intensity of it, or anything like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the experience itself, itself is something that is private. We can share our experiences. We can say, well, if the chocolate smells tasty, um, the pain is a, a sharp stabbing pain, the pain is a dull throbbing. So we do have access in some extent through language to your own internal states. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Like when we're in a hospital, they say, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is the pain? And we can share that with another who th can then sort of relate to your experience of, well, I would consider a pain level five to be this. So can I assume that this is what you're feeling? And we sort of share those experiences between us. Mm -hmm. Now, it would only be possible to sort of share those experiences if there were other minds who had some kind of inner life to understand the language that was being used when we described these things. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes, as we're getting older, we we learn the words for these experiences and we learn what these experiences are through the language of others. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you banged your knee. Does that hurt? What do you mean by hurt? Does it feel like this? And we could, like I said, we could only somebody could only ask us that if they had those internal feelings. Now, it might be again. It might be a very clever automaton who yeah. knows all these things, but doesn't necessarily feel them. 
But again, if we go back to the argument for best explanation, it seems to be that the best explanation would be that they do feel these things. Yeah, no, it would be. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. It, it ties back yeah. into the, to the previous argument again, really, doesn't it? Exactly. And it just adds further weight to the idea that we can only share experiences if there are other people that have similar kinds of experiences. And we can only have these sort of common public expressions if there is a consensus and a sort of greater experience out there that is shared by others. Even if it's not the exact same experience, it seems to be that we can discuss it in similar ways. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's basically a brief introduction to the problem of other minds and how we can look at justifying it and how we can say, well, yes, I believe that there are other minds and I believe I'm justified in believing that there are other minds. And again, even if you say, well, I know there are other minds, you could approach that in a sort of fallibilistic way. Well, I might not have empirical evidence that would satisfy the, the hardest of skeptics or the hardest of empiricists, but I think that these kind of things give us reasonable justifications and inferences to presuppose that there are other minds. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very big topic, and there's a lot of stuff on this, and I didn't want to go to in detail because I know you know you're still moving in and oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know we there, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment for you so i didn't want the stream to go on too long uh, but no, we can go further into other stuff you know at another time i just wanted to give a brief introduction because this seems to be one of the arguments like well can you prove there are other minds if not well you know it seems to be one of these common arguments that seems to be floating about yeah it's um it's almost a silly argument that comes up, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it I think, really, when it comes up. Um, because people are so desperate for things to be proven without a doubt. And they're often people that, you know, are quite scientific in nature. Yet they miss the fact that science doesn't really deal with proving things. <laughs> Not to that extent, no. No. <laughs> I mean, science itself takes quite a fallibilistic approach to everything. Um, <laughs> we've tested it, uh, you know, a thousand different times, and it, you know, it seems to be holding true for now. So we're going to go with it until maybe it uh, it gets proven false. It's shown to be false, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'd say we can take a similar approach to something like this. We can say we know there are other minds because we have these experiences and other people appear to be having these experiences. If you want empirical data, that might be a little harder, but then why do you need empirical data for everything to be able to say that it's rational to believe this thing? Yeah. With, with those sorts of people, you often get into the, the conversations about, you know, uh, do you believe that your, your partner loves you or is it rational to believe if a you know, bus is going to be late when it's been late for the last five weeks for by five minutes at least? And Exactly, because the empirical data would show you that the bus is supposed to be there at quarter past ten. Yeah. That's the timetable. The bus company says it's going to be there at quarter past ten, but the data would appear to be wrong. Experience in those circumstances would tell us better than the data from the bus company. Yeah. Uh, and I, I look forward well, to, to what sort of things we can actually investigate on this one further, though, Dave. Well, the the things about 
the problem of other minds is that it deals in things like epistemology, which is, you know, how do we justify something as a rational belief or how can we say that we know something even if we can't 100% prove for certain? It also speaks to ontology, like what's really out there? Are there other minds really out there? Well, how can we know these things? And it brings us back to epistemology. And of course, there's ideas in philosophy of mind, like what is a mind? And could it be possible that qualia or our inner experiences are simply illusions where they just are our brain states and we just happen to have this feeling that's not really there as such? So I do also have a list of further reading, if anybody's interested. <laughs> I've done well today. You have. So these are basically places I look to get disinformation. And of course, you know, the, there's more, but this is papers I've learned from and books I've read and things like that. And so if you want to go looking at the problem of other minds, these are some very good places to start. And I would, of course, always recommend the Stanford Encyclopedia, Other Minds, and the Internet Encyclopedia, Solipsism, and the Problem of Other Minds. Both of those will also give you the objections to these problems and explain why, okay, we might be able to make these inferences, but again, there are good reasons to doubt that Other Minds exist or that Solipsism is the case. But if anyone wants to look, most of these are actually freely available, of course. The AJR and Ludwig Wittgenstein books you'd have to pay for. Or there could be free PDFs out there somewhere. There tend to be a lot of free PDFs out there. Those. Um, yeah. A good place for that is uh, academia.edu. Um, there's so much stuff on there that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I've seen, I've been looking for for stuff, and it's come up on 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 Cambridge, and I've I've checked for the same paper on Academia, and I was like, yes, <laughs> don't have to pay for this one. <laughs> yeah, or somewhere like um, SciHub, if you can find the DOI number, you can usually usually get the paper through SciHub. Yes, Luke Wittgenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That, that's basically a brief introduction to the problem of other minds and some ways we can look at solipsism and say, well, okay, I can't disprove solipsism entirely, but these things give me good reason to believe that solipsism isn't the case. And a couple of good entries into why you could say, well, okay, I might not be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that other minds exist, but here are some of my justifications. Yeah, awesome. No, thank you for that, Dave. No, thank you. And thank you for, as I say, thank you for listening to me babble on. <laughs> uh, I did my best not to interrupt you too much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you did well. Um, I, I probably could have gone into a lot more detail, but like I say, you know, it's just a brief introduction. Yeah, no, no I think that's a, a good one for, for tonight. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Luke says, glad to see you getting into proper philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke, did you see the uh, the link I posted in uh, in Discord to uh, the differences between continental and analytic philosophy? <laughs> Someone should definitely post that to uh, Jeffrey. <laughs> so, uh, yes, how is everybody doing? Luke, it's good to see you. 
Uh, I hope you had a week, good weekend away. It looked lovely, the place you were staying. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting stream. Uh, definitely um, thinking this much has uh, made me realise how busy I've been the last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it helps, I did all this while also studying mathematics and computing oh, and learning off. Python and another programming language. <laughs> well, I moving things. <laughs> <laughs> so was I. I was moving brain cells to a dead zone. Also, ah, uh, sick. That little USB stick in it. Yeah, it's a Wi-Fi adapter. Ah, nice. Uh, so I've... I can play two players online, or download like box art covers for the games that are on it, and think manuals and things like that. That's pretty cool. Uh, Dave, have you had any ideas about what we could do for um, a few of our future streams? Well, one of the ideas was the ethics and AI. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'd uh, yeah, I'd like to get my friend Henry in as well uh, on that. He, he likes having conversations about AI um, as well. So it's quite knowledgeable on that front. See if I can get him involved. Yeah, that um, would be very cool. And yeah, there was obviously we were talking with Luke as well, weren't we? Where we were gonna, what was it? We were gonna do uh, mental illnesses, cover off a little bit on that, because we we missed our, our our stream with him last month due to the fact that I was moving. <laughs> um, yeah, got a few others on the front, uh, on the cards too. It's just when we're gonna do them. You got any ideas for what we should do on Thursday, no day? Well, I was thinking the ethics and AI. Oh, okay. I don't know if Henry would be um, free, but I'm happy to do it, even if he's not. I, I was just thinking more a general discussion and, you know, looking at what some of the ideas are about AI and, and or just ethics and electronics. Like if you think about something like Cambridge Analytica, you know, using AI to target ads to people to sway votes and things like that. What are, You know, the ethics involved in something like that. What about but we well? could go with something else. What about as well the um, things like the the AI trolley problem? Yeah, so like uh, uh, self driving cars, mm -hmm. you know they they would it would very much be like a trolley problem for deciding what happens in the case of an accident. Yeah, who's to blame? Another basically. interesting, yeah, another interesting idea is that an AI can only process data, so it might be the case that an AI discriminates against a low income neighborhood simply because of the data it might just think <laughs> high crime area so therefore and it wouldn't take into account historical context or anything like that actually that that reminds me of one of the conversations i was having with henry um about this thing and they they were obviously putting uh different situations into various modeling to try and sort problems with with hunger and poverty in certain areas and obviously it didn't really have much of an ethics engine so its solution was kill a third of the people kill them all <laughs> i mean we could leave that one for another time because i mean there is more i could look into on this as well anyway because we've only really just started this block in the study. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's have a chat over the next couple of days. So um, we're not going to yeah. tell you what's happening on Thursday because we don't know yet. Uh-huh. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we never know. <laughs> but uh, um, hopefully, uh, Luke, if you're free next Tuesday, maybe we'll book you in then because I know you're not free for the the Thursday streams, but maybe next Tuesday we'll do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, segmentation fault. Yeah, it might be just because you were 60 minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it's because I'm always boring. Nothing I say is interesting. <laughs> well, I found it interesting, but maybe that's because I'm also boring. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, I don't think there's much else that we really need to cover tonight. Um, and we can uh, reconvene, have a chat. Uh, if you're not in our Discord already, folks, I just have to ask, why not? Get in there. We only send out invites occasionally, so make sure you pick up on them when we do. But um, there's a... That could be why they're not in there. <laughs> uh, and Most yeah. people who join us regularly are. Yeah, that's true. There's a, it's a group of good people, and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a bit different from places like Twitter. One of the reasons we only send out invites occasionally is purely because of how conversations tend to go on places like Twitter, things like that. And we're not looking for an echo chamber and there's lots of people with different ontological positions to us and different conversations to be had, but they are all good conversations held in the right way, in a respectful manner, in a, you know, you can have a frequent exchange of ideas without being called a theist troll or <laughs> worse. <laughs> so if you do get a chance to join our Discord server, please do. Um, <laughs> Rusty says, until I drink bourbon and beer. Is that, that's why I'm on side now. Because <laughs> I'm down Dorset, although this is Somerset cider. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right, folks. Well, thank you very, very, very much for joining us tonight. And Dave, thank you very much for uh, preparing those slides in the stream for us. I definitely yeah, thank you bit. for listening to me babble on. <laughs> yes. As long as somebody learns something new or thinks about the problem in a new way, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, well, you've helped me realize that there's probably more justification for thinking there are other minds um, than there was. I already felt justified in the first place, but there's probably more justification than actually I, I realized we had. So it's, it's helped me out there. Um, and I look forward to maybe hearing some or reading those links that you put in and seeing some a few of the other uh, arguments to it. Um, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much, Dave, and thank you for everybody watching. And we will catch you on no, Thursday. You. Probably, are you, are you, uh, have you got a course that day? Um, hang on, I'm not actually sure. Well, let's just say it'll either be 8 or 8.30 and you can check the yeah. link. <laughs> and Rusty, yes, you do. It's in Twitter, although it might have expired. Um, anyway, have yourselves a good night, everyone. You've been watching the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. Later. Good night, all.